If you have your Bibles, in the New Testament book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse number 23, reading on down to verse number 27. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 23, reading down to verse number 27. King James Version reads as follows. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willing for, willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. The grass wither, the flower fade away, the word of the Lord shall stand forever. For a few moments, with help of the good Lord and the aid of the Holy Spirit, I want to speak from the subject, before you give up and quit. Mm -hmm. All right, come on. All right. Before you give up and quit. My brothers and sisters, as this text is being penned, this letter, Hebrew writer is writing, He's actually speaking about sanctification. This sanctification in Christ uh, emphasizes the practical aspect of being a believer in Christ. The believer is exhorted to profess his faith, is encouraged about his faith, and enjoined to maintain his faith in Christ. Salvation in Christ sanctifies us or it purifies and makes holy our conduct and our attitude. So there's a few things that I want to talk about real quickly uh, before we really tackle this subject, before you give up and quit. Won't be long this morning, my brothers and sisters, but hopefully I will touch somebody either in here those are watching or those that are listening. Amen. Just want you to think about that for a minute before you give up and quit. Amen. As the writer says in verse number 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promise. Number one, my brothers and sisters, let's look at the witness in this sanctification. 
he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. What this was, the Jewish believers to whom this Hebrew uh, letter was written, uh, primarily written for, uh, where they were facing much persecution for their faith. But Paul exhorts them to keep up a good profession. Uh, not waver in their public testimony in spite of persecution. And we live in a day, my brothers and sisters, in time that we are not getting persecuted to the degree that they were getting persecuted in those times, but people do try to mock and laugh at you because of your faith. But Paul is exhorting them and he is exhorting us to hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. So we see the witness, your witness, you got to hold fast to your witness of your faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's the witness in the sanctification. But there's, there's also, number two, the warrant for the sanctification. Reason why, he says, for he is faithful. And I like that word right there, faithful. We need more faithfulness in our life. For he is faithful that promise after exhorting these believers my brothers and sisters not to waver in their profession of faith he encouraged them by the statement that says God is faithful um, the conclusion is that since God is faithful in his promises we should be faithful in our profession let me say that again since God is faithful in his promises then we ought to be faithful in our profession if you're going to profess that you are a Christian you ought to be faithful in that profession because God is faithful to whatever he promised amen amen so we see a witness we see a warrant, but then thirdly, my brothers and sisters, we see the welfare. Look at the welfare uh, for the sanctification. It goes on, he says, and let us consider who? One another. To provoke unto love and to good works, the welfare uh, of one another, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. I'm so glad my brothers and sisters that we're doing our part to fight this uh, COVID-19. We're wearing our masks, we're social distancing, we're washing our hands, we're, we're using hand sanitizer, we're spraying the place down so that we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so the much as we see the day approaching what is he saying the welfare number one the considering uh -huh. in the welfare let us consider one another what it means that the reason why we ought to wear our mask the reason why we ought to wear our face protection is because we're considering one another All right. Are y'all praying with me? Uh, and not only are we considering one another when we're going out and when we're, we're doing our daily business, but we ought to consider one another when we're talking about spiritual welfare of others and how we can help them. So we ought to be concerned. We ought to consider one another. But then not only should we be uh, concerned about the spiritual welfare of one another and how we can help one another, but secondly, the 
congregation of the welfare. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We, we need to understand that it is important for us to come together. And when you skip church, you discourage other believers. Oh, I got to say that one again. When you skip church, you discourage other believers, especially those who come to church to discover there's only a few of those in attendance. Don't you know that God has gifted you with something to give to somebody else? Don't you know that your gift is really not for you? Your gift is really for somebody else? God didn't give the gift to you for you to keep for yourself. Your gift is actually for somebody else. And when you don't come, somebody missed their blessing because you didn't come to give them the gift that they were supposed to receive. Help me preach this thing in here. When you skip out, then I don't get whatever I need because you wasn't there to give me the part that I was supposed to get. God has gifted us to give to others. And when I can't get mine from you, I become anemic. Because I'm not getting everything that I need. So I become a sickly Christian. Oh, I wish I had time up in here. And so we, we see the welfare. Amen. And what that means is to help. To be able to aid those who need it. Are y'all praying with me? He says the considering in the welfare, the congregation in the welfare, but then thirdly, the compelling for the welfare. He says so much the more as you see the day approaching. This refers to the coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ ought to inspire believers to be faithful in their service and worship. You do know Christ is coming back. And that ought to inspire us to be faithful in our worship and our service. The thing that is, is, is really troubling to me and I don't understand this my brothers and sisters and I'm so glad that God touch me one day and open my eyes and I do believe uh, the hymnologist when Amazing Grace says I once was blind but now I see. I don't understand how we can have a church full of folk when people die and, and, and we, we, we have all these people come and it's, it's too late. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do it while the blood is running warm in your vein. Yeah. Amen. You got to do it while the blood is running warm. The thief on the cross, he got salvation while he was even being uh, hung on the cross. He, he, but he had a chance before he took his last breath. But once that last breath is gone, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And so he says, we got to be uh, uh, faithful in our service and in our worship because we know that Christ is on his way back. So we got to look out for the welfare of others. And then there's a warning in the sanctification. We see a witness, we see a warrant, we see the welfare, but then there is a warning. Look at what the verse says in verse 26 and verse 27. He says, for if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
there remain no more sacrifice for sins. That's heavy right there. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. Break it down for him, if you will. Uh, number one, a needing warrant is given about the apostasy and judgment it brings to those who recant their profession of faith. In other words, if you have professed Christ, you say you believe in Christ and you understand who Christ is. He is the son of God. He is of the one that was the baby born in Bethlehem of a virgin birth. And then all of a sudden you recant that. He says, number one, the conduct for the warning. If we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, oh, we have a problem. Let not this conduct be attributed to you uh, because there's iniquity of the conduct. The iniquity is sin. That's a sin, my brothers and sisters, to know the truth and still do the wrong thing. All right. And I know that the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is true. That is a true statement. We all fall short. But there are some things when we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, we got a problem. This evil conduct, this wicked conduct of an unspecified kind, my brothers and sisters, some stuff we got to deal with wholeheartedly. But now, not only does he talk about of the iniquity, but then also the intentionality of the conduct. He says willfully. When you just willfully sin, meaning that you do it on purpose. You have no intent of, of trying to do the right thing. You just willfully doing wrong. Y'all not praying with me. This sin is done intentionally. It's done. It's not done on, by accident or ignorance. You didn't just stumble into it. You went looking for it. Oh, I wish I had time right there. I'll put a pen right there and drive it on home. Uh, that's some stuff that you know you're going to do wrong. You will drive all across town to do wrong. I wish I had some folk up in here. I would take my blinders off for a minute and tell you about some times when I knew I was going to do wrong and still did wrong. I know I got some people in my corner. Don't shake your head the wrong way. I know you're in here with me. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that dipped me, washed me, turned me around and made things a little bit better and every now and then we still mess up but that's alright God is faithful third let me hurry on I want nobody to throw a shoe at me third the in inexcusableness of the conduct it says, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, this sin is against the life. Spiritual privilege is despised. Spiritual illumination has occurred, but the person still sins. And that's, that's, that's where we have to be careful, my brothers and sisters, that we help one another. And that's why it says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together because we can help one another. When we see somebody fall uh, and we catch somebody in the fall, don't condemn them, raise them up help them up, pick them up encourage them, let them know you'll be stronger the next time, I wish I had a witness in here, and then 
uh, fought the incapability inca uh, from the conduct. It says, there remaineth no more sacrifice for the sin. This is not losing one's salvation, but the message is that when somebody rejects Christ, he is incapable of being saved, for he has rejected the only sacrifice that can be saved. Let me help, what it, help you with what I'm saying. See, when you're saved, you're always saved. One saved, always saved. But when somebody rejects Christ, they can't be saved because that's only one way to be saved and that's through Jesus Christ. But when you don't accept Christ as your personal savior, then you're not saved. There's no other way to be saved. There's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved and that's through Jesus the Christ. And if you reject that name, you are not saved. Here it is, fit the infliction. This is what happened with this type of conduct. Cineville, the judgment will be fearful. It will be fiery and it'll be forceful. He says, fearful, Look at verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. Many in our Bible believing churches who reject the truth, though it's been faithfully preached, need this warning. Or they will know by personal experience this tragic result of turning their back willfully upon Jesus Christ. Hell is real. Just as heaven is real, hell is real. So, as I get ready to go to my seat, you talked about before you give up and quit. Through the years of ministry, I've encountered several who claim to be Christians and who have been Christians for a long time, yet because of some situation or another, they felt as though they could no longer live a Christian life. But Clark, it had just become too hard for them and they were ready to cast it all aside. For some reason or another, Deacon Washington, they felt that their burdens were too heavy to bear. Their responsibilities were too great to fulfill. Their temptations were too exciting, too enticing to resist. Their standards were too demanding to live by. Their opportunities were too few to make it worthwhile. Uh, for some reason or another, they felt that their trials were too difficult to handle and that their opposition had become too much for them to deal with. And they were simply ready to give up and quit. This has always disturbed me. Why would anybody whose sins have been forgiven 
whose soul had been redeemed in the blood of the Lamb, whose name had been written down in glory, whose burden had time and time again been lifted, whose prayers had been answered so many times, whose spiritual eyes had been opened to the truth, whose life had been completely changed by grace, and, and uh, who, who would want to give up and quit living for the Lord. Nevertheless, uh, Sister Johnson, there are those who desire just to do that. And if you happen to be one of them, there are a few things I would like for you to consider before you just simply give up and quit. Tell me, if you are going to give up and quit living for the Lord, how would you ever survive without the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory? How would you ever survive without the peace that passes all understanding? How would you ever survive without the assurance of God's presence and protection? How would you ever survive without the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life? I wish I had a witness in here. How would you ever survive without the companionship of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God? And how would you ever survive without the inspiration that come through divine fellowship? And tell me, how would you ever survive without the hope of heaven as your eternal home? Tell me, why would you just give up? and quit. Tell me what about all the prayers you prayed and what about all the visits you made and what about all the hymns you sung and all the classes you taught and all the lives you influenced and all the testimonies you gave and all the miles you come. Are you just going to cast all of that aside and, and give up and quit? Furthermore, tell me what would your companion think if you quit? What would your friends think if you quit? What would your neighbors think if you quit? Help me preach this thing. What would your fellow workers think if you quit? What would your children think if you quit? What would your parents think if you quit? And moreover, what would your enemies think if you quit? And what would you do if you were to quit? Where would you go? How would you live? Listen Listen to me. The liquor stores are waiting for you to quit. The drug pushers are waiting for you to quit. The prostitutes are waiting for you to quit. The pimps are waiting for you to quit. The hypocrites are waiting for you to quit. The backsliders are waiting for you to quit. The defiled and the corrupt, they are waiting for you to quit. And your enemies are just waiting for you to quit. If you think they're talking about you now, just wait until you quit. If you think they're mocking you now, just wait and see what they'll do when you quit. If you think they're laughing at you now, just wait until you quit. If you think they're criticizing you now, just wait until you quit if you think everybody's talking about you now just wait until you quit oh Lord have mercy if 
you think they're harassing you now, just wait until you quit. If you think they're embarrassing you now, just wait until you quit. If you think they refer to you as a fool now, just wait until you quit. Let me tell you, as I take my seat this morning, if the worst thing you could do is give up and quit for living for the Lord, if you think that you got it tough now, y'all didn't hear me, if you think you got it tough now, just wait and see how tough it gets if you quit on the Lord, if you think that you got problems now, just wait and see how many problems you have if you quit on the Lord, if you think you can't stand up to the pressure now, just wait and see what happens if the Lord takes his hand off of you. If you think you don't have many friends now, just wait and discover what happens when you lose the only friend that'll stick closer than a brother. If you think you're missing out on so much now, go ahead on and quit and see what you're missing out on then. If you think it's a struggle now, none of y'all ain't struggled. None of y'all didn't struggle. None of y'all never struggled like me. But if you're struggling now, go ahead on and quit. Throw in the tower. I dare you and see. I bet you you'll have a shirt. You'll have a mask. You'll have a banana that say the struggle is real. Ain't the Lord alright? If you think that the fall country appears so grand, it's so exciting, it's so delightful, it's so fun-filled, it's so promising, it's so wonderful and thrilling now, just go head on and quit living for the Lord. I dare you, I double dog dare you to go head on and do it. You'll discover you'll wake up in a slop pen. Do I have a witness? If you can't make it now, you'll never make it. If you quit, do I have a witness? I'm trying to help somebody that was getting ready to give up on God because you said I've been trying for a long time and it keeps getting harder and harder it gets tougher and tougher the pressure gets rough and rough but if you can't stand it now you better not quit because the Lord is getting ready to do something with you do I have a witness I'm reminded of an old kettle do I have a witness my grandmother used to make a coffee on the stove and she used to put that kettle on the stove and when it would get hot enough the kettle would start whistling do I have a witness and sometimes the Lord is waiting 
thought I had a witness. The Lord is waiting for you to whistle. See, I ain't started yet. So it means the pressure hasn't been raised enough. The fire haven't been turned up enough. The water ain't boiling enough. You ain't got enough steam. But once you get enough steam, once you get enough pressure, once you get enough fire, once you go through enough times, the top will come off and you will whistle. You will whistle. Ain't the Lord all right? I know that the Lord can help me. Do I have a witness? Too much drama in our streets. Too much killing in our streets. Too much for our people to deal with. But the Lord says, I'm just waiting for somebody to whistle. Is there anybody in the house today that says, I'm on whistle. I done been through enough. I done had enough. I done deal with too much. My children been endured too much. Now I got a whistle. Is there anybody in here that's going to shout to the Lord on three? Can I get a shout? One, two, three. Ain't he all right? We can stand the stress. We can show the responsibility. We can overcome temptations. We can fight the good fight. We can finish the force. We can keep the faith. Is it all right? I say, is it all right? Don't give up and quit before you throw in the tower. Don't give up. I know somebody that says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. One more thing and I'm taking my seat. I want you to do something for me. If you can stand up, stand to your feet. I want you to do one thing for me. I learned that the Lord will be strong. I need you to show me your muscle because the Lord will be strong for you. Whatever you're going through, when the devil try to get you, flex your muscle and say the Lord will be strong. Say yes, yes, oh, yes. God bless you. Before you give up and quit, know that he is faithful. That promise. 